You're listening to Grace for the Grind, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. We're here to encourage and equip you through the ups and downs of life and ministry, because each of us needs some grace for the grind. Welcome to episode 147. I'm Mike Natal. And I'm Dan Stenberg. And today we are joined by Bruce Stumbo. Bruce has been married to Laurel for 50 years. They have three children, Sarah, Christopher, and Benjamin, who all live nearby. So Bruce and Laurel are able to spend time with their fantastic grandchildren. He has served churches from the West Coast and then throughout the Midwest. He has experience in youth ministry, pastoral ministry, and synodical ministry. We're excited to have Bruce on so that he can share some of his wisdom and experiences with us that we might learn from him and be blessed as he's preparing for this chapter of ministry to close. Welcome, Bruce. It's great to have you, man. Great to be with you. I'm kind of chuckling at the idea of wisdom. <laughs> it's not automatic just because you're old, but thank you for that. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. No, it's it's great to have you, and we're Thanks. we're excited. Mike and I were looking at this. We're like, this is the first time we've had Bruce on, which seems crazy that we're this far in, and and this is your your first time here. So, as it being your first time with us, you get to answer your first like icebreaker question. Are you ready for this one? Give it a go. Who is your favorite musical artist? Oh, this is really hard for me because I'm very eclectic. Grew up in the 60s, so you've got Beatles and Rolling Stones and all all kinds of groups. The nice. Circle was one of my favorites when I was a kid. But as I've grown uh, and matured, I, I don't know if I can admit this, but I'm a big Eagles fan. Nice. Okay. Uh, sweet. Because they do harmony, believe it or not, in a rock and roll. All right. They're an awesome group. I suppose in the Christian music world, very similar to the Eagles would be the Gaithers. Maybe not real close, but, and that's the eclectic part. I go all over the map. I can listen to almost anything except, we won't get into that, but uh, uh, favorite <laughs> musician would probably, somebody like Whitney Houston as a singer, Neil Diamond as a singer. I mean, there's so many. How do you pick one? So. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, I mean, we'll go with Eagles, and, and I think that's a that's a great answer there, man. Thank you. But we all know that as Bruce leaves the Synod after a hard day at work and he's driving home, he's totally blasting death metal. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Christian death metal, obviously. Yeah. You know, like the suit well, or like somebody along those lines. Sleeper. Enough, I don't know. Yeah, dude, a sleeper under oath. <laughs> Haste the Love day. Well, like I told you in the prelude here, I I can't even name groups that you guys are familiar with. So <laughs> I'm okay Nobody's with familiar with the three groups I just <laughs> named. You're good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, Bruce, how many years have you been in ministry? Well, it all depends on how you count it. But as far as full-time working in the church kind of stuff, I started doing that in 1971. So I'm not very good at math. Give us some years there. How many years is that? Well, it'll be 52 years this fall. Hot dog. As far as ordained ministry after seminary, I, I finished official seminary in 1992. So you can do the math on that one, I think. But all told, because 
I count ministry as ministry. I've been yeah. doing this for well over 50 years now. Bruce, that's In fantastic. Churches, sometimes parachurch, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time in ministry. So we have a, a question here. And I mean, as we sat back and just looked at the scope of ministry that you've been involved in from, again, these churches on the, the West Coast and your time in youth ministry, and then just the, the many different things that you've done. I mean, you've kind of garnered a bit of a reputation as someone that will take a call to a church that's hurting, that isn't in the greatest space. You're the guy that wrote Confirm It, which is the the curriculum that so many of our churches have used for confirmation. You, you've had so many different areas and, and opportunities in ministry. And I guess I'm wondering, we're wondering, how did some of those doors open for you? Were there people that recognized the gifts that you have and encouraged you in that and, and kind of pushed you out the nest maybe a little? Or or are there other areas where you've been like, you know, this is something where I just have really felt this call in this particular direction and and I'm just going to do it even though it's going to be hard and, and I'm going to push forward here. Maybe it's both. I, I don't know. But again, diverse portfolio of ministry work here. Well done. How did some of that come about? Well, I'll go back to my high school days. I had a pastor uh, here in Fer I grew up in Fergus Falls. I went to First Baptist Church. You promised not to tell everybody. And um, uh, Pastor Andy was uh, very interested in my future. He wanted me to be a pastor. And I didn't see it, but he was very encouraging to me, even to the point where he supported my interest in going to a Lutheran Bible school in Los Angeles after high school, because he really felt like I should go into ministry. And he told me that very bluntly and plainly. So that was kind of encouraging, but in a scary sort of way. You're junior, senior in high school. That's probably the last thing you're thinking about. At least for me, I did not sense that calling, but it, it came to be. And then as I went into uh, Bible college out in LA and and grew a little bit in my own faith and in the, the learning that I got in those situations, the training that I had, the more involvement I got involved with traveling music groups, went into uh, ministry with the Lutheran evangelistic movement, traveling with groups for them, and then went into their office, the parachurch evangelism group in, based in Minneapolis. And just kind of grew in my interest in the church and was encouraged by individuals along the way that I worked with. If I make a long story short, eventually somebody from the Lutheran Brethren offices, uh, one of the guys that was working in home missions at that time, he just looked at me and he said, Stumbo, you need to get to seminary. <laughs> awesome. And one day I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and he just about fell over. But I said, yeah, I think I'm going to go. Let's work it out. And that would have been in 1989. I got into seminary. did not go to seminary with the idea that I would go into pastoral ministry. I enjoy administrative work, parachurch-type ministry, a lot. Mm. And But I discovered that I needed more theological education to kind of, if you will, stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the pastors and others that I was uh, visiting and working with. Sure. So the seminary thing was just for added training. But it turned out that I, I got a call to serve a church out in Oregon, and uh, 
accepted that call and have had several different moves since then. That would have been in 1992 when I got out of seminary. And that's a long time ago. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking at over 30 years of uh, different places to be, different kinds of ministry to be involved in. So, Yeah. How did Confirm It come about? I'll thank David Rindon for that. I was serving in our church in uh, Egan, Minnesota, and I'd been using our confirmation material, and I just made kind of a flippant statement. David was the head of Faith and Fellowship Publishing at that time, and I made a flippant comment to him that, you know, I think I'll write my own. And a lot of pastors do that. Yeah. No idea how hard that is. (laughs) But if I go back to high school, one of the things that I had identified early on is that I wanted to be a writer. And I didn't know what I wanted to write. I was thinking about sports writing or whatever. But it turns out I became a writer of a confirmation book. Hmm. I've enjoyed writing for our magazine and for different things. And if you're a pastor preaching, you're writing every week. So Confirm It came about at the encouragement of Dave Rendon, who said, well, then just do it. But if you're going to write a confirmation material, write it on the catechism. So I looked at our little red book that we use in the CLB, and I started with question one and went all the way to the end, wrote the whole thing as I taught it in my own church. So it took a couple years to get it done. And then Dave picked it up and had it published and We've been correcting typos in it ever since. (laughs) And it's getting old now. uh, When did I finish that? Probably in the mid-90s. So we're getting close to the 30-year anniversary for Confirm It, which is Mm -hmm. a little scary for me. But yeah, that was a a labor of love. I thoroughly enjoyed it. From start to finish, the the formatting of it, I designed the cover of the book, and it's had a couple different versions. But uh, the confirm it game that goes with it is kind of woefully out of date now because <laughs> the kids don't know the people that I knew back in the the nineties. But sure, uh, yeah, sure. I remember when I first started using confirm it, probably about fifteen years ago. The miscellaneous questions kids still knew, and as yeah. I continued to teach it, it was getting more and more painfully obvious to me that I was getting old. So your confirm it. At least the miscellaneous questions, like a lot of the other ones, still 100% relevant. The Jeopardy game works great, and it really engages the kids. But man, there were multiple times where I would put up stuff for miscellaneous, and the kids are like... I don't, I don't know. I was like, really? You don't, you don't know that? And they're like, no, not, not at all. And then I think one of the worst feelings was like, I think we played against their parents once. And there was a time where some of the parents didn't even know the miscellaneous questions. And I was like, well, it's official. That's it. I'm, I am officially old. Thank you for that. So we've heard about, (laughs) we've heard about like your call into ministry and your desire, but the the gentle nudge you got for writing Confirm It, you've taken some hurting churches. Those are not easy calls to take. How did that come about for you? That's a great question, and and I didn't even become aware of this until just a few years ago, and I'll explain that in a minute. But as I was getting done with seminary, our uh, synod president at the time, uh, Bob Overgaard, had me 
into his office for a little interview or just a conversation. Uh, we've gotten along quite well. I'd worked in the uh, youth office here at the Synod for a whole year, my senior year at SEM. And he wanted to talk to me about the call that I had taken to Eugene, Oregon. He had been involved in that church. And really, he was very encouraging, but he said, Bruce, this is not going to be an easy call. Because of the nature of the group and how it had changed, they were going through massive recovery from people mm -hmm. leaving, some coming and going, and some challenges to the church. He just wanted me to be aware. He wasn't warning me off at all. Actually, he was encouraging me yeah. to go. But it was a good heads up on what to be getting ready for. And uh, so that came and, and went. And then I, the next call that I took after we'd been out there for about four years, we came back to a church that we helped start in Egan, Minnesota. Community of Joy was a labor of love for many of us. Laurel and I had helped uh, as charter members, uh, helped to get that started right before I went to, to seminary. Well, they had had some issues and some challenges, and there was some uh, hurt being felt, and we came into that situation. They had done a good job of, of a lot of healing before we got there, but there were some pieces to pick up, and so I was asked if I'd come and share in that setting. We were there for Oh, I want to say eight years after that and, and took over at Faith and Fellowship. And the next move was into kind of a forced sabbatical, but I, I ended up going to one of our churches in the Twin Cities, another one in, in Bloomington, and they weren't hurting like the others had been, but they were struggling financially and needed help. And I, I got to go with a joint ministry with a very good friend of mine who became a better friend. And then the next two, and there were two more, were very hard-hit churches mm -hmm. needed help. And along the way, a very good friend of mine visited with me one day, and it, and it all came down to this. He said, Bruce, you've had a ministry. He used the word broken, and I really wouldn't uh, in most cases. But you've really ministered to broken churches. And thought about that. You know, he's, he's right. The toughest one of the bunch, I'm not going to name names or anything, but our president at the time, Joel Eggie, now see a pattern here? Mm -hmm. President calls me to his office, and I don't know if uh, what's going to happen, but did you hear about such and such and what's happening at this particular congregation? I said, no, I haven't heard a word. And what he described was really very troubling and, and difficult. And as he was talking about the situation there, I started leaning forward in my chair. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and he noticed that, and I scooted up a little bit more and a little bit more. And finally he said, Bruce, do you think you'd want to go there? <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even pray about it. I said, yeah, I think I would. I think I could help there. I would love to help that group. And uh, that's what happened. Just a couple months later, we were moving from Grand Forks, spent almost nine years. It was a one-year call to a, a, an interim situation, and I stretched it out to almost nine. After the nine years there, I moved into my first retirement. <laughs> Officially retired, we moved to a property we have at the lake where we live now, and Lived happily ever after.
Yeah. Is that how that went? Yep. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, we got asked to serve Sundays and Wednesdays at a small church outside of Fergus Falls, Swan Lake Church, a delightful. You're just so into the, the music, you couldn't help but rock a couple encores. Is that <laughs> is that what we're hearing? <laughs> That's kind of it, yeah. Off to Swan Lake, and one day a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Seaver from Triumph up in Moorhead, called. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say exactly what he said. He called me on the phone, and I was sitting at our dining room table, and Jeff, in his high-pitched voice, said, Bruce, we need you. <laughs> and I, well, who's we, and what are you talking about? Well, they were having some uh, pastoral changes at Triumph in, in West Fargo, actually, their second campus. And he was wondering if I would be willing to come for a couple of years as an interim campus pastor. We agreed to that fairly quickly. I, I've always wanted to work with Jeff and the crew up there and mm-hmm. still had a lot of energy. And after a year of kind of retirement, it was good to be able to go back into full-time ministry. So we were there for two years and I had my second retirement party. Yeah. And then everyone applauded and it was time for encore number two. Is that how yeah, that went? Sunset, boom, twilight, gone. And then another friend called a few months later, not even a few months, a few weeks. And it was the president of the Senate again, but this time a guy named Paul Larson. You have a lot of conversations with presidents, bro. Oh, I, I know that. <laughs> so the real question is, now as you go into your third retirement, yeah. are you accepting any more phone calls from the president yeah. of the denomination? Do those just get blocked uh, now, like right away? Yeah. It's like, bro, <laughs> I'm done. I'll have a special recording just for the president. I feel is. like maybe the podcast as a retirement present for you, Bruce, should get you something like the bat phone, where it's one of those ones that like lights up and it's a specific one that only the synod can use. Yeah, only like the it. synod president like can That's use. That's funny. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> so I'm sorry, we've interrupted you. The, the yeah. president. So Paul called. The, yeah, President Larson called, called. You again. What happened now? Yeah. Well, there had been a, a resignation in the Department of uh, Home Missions, which was renamed um, North American Mission, where I'm working right now. I was at. Would you just be willing to call our pastors, work at it a few hours a week, and, and call pastors and other leaders in the churches that we have? see how they're doing and how we can help and what they might need for a few months. And then things were getting a little more interesting at the Senate level and with North American Mission. And Paul kept asking for a few more hours a week. And finally, by the time of our uh, biennial national gathering last summer, right after that, he said, would you come in and work full time? Mm -hmm. By that time, our director of North American Mission had resigned and was leaving us. And shortly after that, the associate for North American Mission also left the staff. So my role grew still as kind of an interim staffer, but I took on a lot of the items that those guys were leaving behind just to cover the bases. Well, it's been a busy year, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. But it's been fruitful and good. And here we are. I'm talking to you guys. I didn't start this podcast. You guys are doing all this work. You're the fun ones. I don't even hardly have to pay attention to you. You call me up and want me to do this stuff. So this is 
It's a pretty good arrangement. But we now have a new called, not yet in place, director for North American Mission. And so there is the possibility that I truly am in the twilight of my career and will ride off into the sunset. Actually, I'll go the other way from Fergus, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's coming again. Is Laurel going to let you answer the phone anymore? Like, is she just confiscating the phone at this point? That's the thing about cell phones. You yeah. just can't control them, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I really feel like I should – well, this this will uh, help us address the whole issue of retirement. But I do feel like it's time to let a whole other generation of people say yes to these things. Mm-hmm. And really, truly, guys, I've just been filling in in this role, and it's been a pleasure and a privilege, and it's been very hard at times. But uh, it's good work, and when our new director comes in, when Brandon hits the the floor here, uh, he'll have all kinds of new things to do, and it'll be great. But we're not quite there yet. Been a couple more months probably to work through, and we'll, we'll see what happens after that. There you go. What an exciting, I'll call it roller coaster ride of ministry you've been on, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, Thank dude. you for sharing that with us. As you've been going through the many facets of ministry that the Lord has called you through, including dealing with some difficult people, as you've just mentioned, you are helping us with the podcast. So you have to deal with Daniel, I, and Ryan, which at some points is like kind of corralling cats. So What have been some healthy practices that have kept you sane and encouraged and have enabled you to be effective in ministry for as long as you have? Well, you're assuming the sanity part, (laughs) which is always dangerous. Uh, There are days I wonder, what in the world am I doing? I'm glad you have those questions, too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they never quite stop, but (laughs) the reality is... Now, we don't do any of this alone, do we? Yeah. I call you guys the podcast crew, and the three of you now reunited and working away, uh, you lean on each other, you encourage each other, you help each other. You guys are the least of my worries and concerns. We're so creative and good at this. If, if all I have to do is say yes to a budget item or something, I'm there. But ministry is just challenging, and so you need to have – people around you that you trust and really love and care for. Mm -hmm. And I've always had that. Even as a solo pastor out in Eugene, Oregon, or working with Jeff Steffen, I'll name names, up in in Grand Forks. You're never alone if you're solo. You're not alone if you're a duo. You have all the stuff you need to do in your ministry life, and your work. It's really, really helpful to have a good wife who loves ministry and engages in it at uh, their own level. Laurel has been phenomenal in so many different ways in our church work together with uh, younger women, with uh, women's groups, with Sunday school, with various counseling things that she's been involved over the years. Even when there was just youth ministry, and I boy, I put quotes around that because just youth ministry is ministry. It's hard, man. Poor boy. And Shout out to the youth pastors. Just blessed with gifts for younger people. And now as we are getting older, 
with elderly women too. So she's been a partner, a sidekick, and a minister all into her own, and wonderful to have been married to her for 50, count them, 50 years. That's she's awesome, blessed. man. So you, you pointed out the necessity of support groups, and then you also brought out how you like you were by yourself and Eugene. Did you make friends with people in the church, people in the community? Did you just kind of have some ride-or-die buddies uh, that you'd like done ministry with before that knew you? What what did that support group look like when you were a solo pastor kind of doing your thing and trying to figure out how you weren't going to burn out? I want to encourage every guy who is a pastor, and I know there are a lot of ladies out there who are, that are working in ministry and pastoral ministry, but gentlemen, you need, if you can— and this has been my approach, the elder board of the congregation I serve is mine. They're my guys. I want to make sure I'm friends with them, partners with them, that we can talk about anything that we want to in the, in the elder board setting or when we're out and about in the world together, whatever social events that might be. I want to be friends with the elders and to be able to talk with them and share with them and know that they have my back. Mm -hmm. And when they come to me and they've got issues, they're not afraid to address them with me. So we can be very open and upfront about everything, particularly stuff in the church, and especially personal things. So that kind of partnership is critical to me. And if I've had difficulty ever with an elder or an elder board, it's because that's gone missing maybe for just a little while. I work hard at that. If I'm in your church and I'm your pastor, the elders are going to be my my guys. And uh, there's still a separation there. I'm accountable to those men. They're accountable to me as well. So that partnership can be unique. And I know a lot of guys don't necessarily benefit from that, or a lot of people. So we don't always benefit from that kind of relationship. But if you work at it, it, it really helps to have that. So that's two forms of support. Your spouse, if you have one, your elder board, and then the congregation at large, hopefully is right there as well as you're serving them mm-hmm. and ministering to them. They become more and more supportive as you go along. Cool. Thanks for that. It's uh, It's just good to hear. It's good to be reminded. I know like when I took this call, I didn't have any elders. And I was all by myself, like way out here. And, and, and yeah, I think having a, like developing a strong relationship with your elder board is, is incredibly important for the success of your ministry and for the health of the church. I think it's also a good idea to have a couple guys that you know and that you trust and that you can be held accountable by as well. If you don't have a, a board, if you don't have some of those things in place, I just, I just think that that's good, but. Yeah. But hey, Bruce, now that things are, you know, beginning to wind down, we're on the third encore now. We're not really sure how many encores are left. How are you feeling? Is there some encouragement that you'd like to share with pastors or ministry workers or lay people that are listening to this podcast and, and struggling in the ministries that they find themselves in currently? I'll go back to something I said a little earlier. Ministry is challenging. I think at best, challenging. You come out of seminary, you're all full of vim and vigor. <laughs> uh, you're ready to go. You want to go at it. And that's good. That's the way it should be. You're riding the Mayflower, then the first winter hits, and you're like, oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to think the first call that you get, well, 
the last one should be just as exciting mm. because you're moving into a new situation. There are ministries that you can finish and complete and you can move away from. Well, it's, it's time for me to go from here to somewhere else. I've kind of done my work here and maybe the church needs a new or fresher or whatever it is they need. You know that you should probably move on and move into something else. Mm-hmm. Well, the something else can be just as exciting as your very first call. As I get ready for this change that's coming up, and I do hope that it's within the next few months, I'm going to help the new guy transition in. And I don't know what he's going to need, but I'll be here to help out uh, in any way that I can. And maybe that's what we do anyway. We help people. We minister to needs and situations and, and help with transitions. Well, here... I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't know about retirement yet. Mm-hmm. I want to recommend a really good book on retirement by John Piper. It's not a new book, but it's called Rethinking Retirement, John Piper. And uh, it's very helpful to put some reality to the whole idea of retirement. Retirement is not a biblical principle. It's not outlined in Scripture. Here's how you do it. What is given some instruction along the way, is change. And as we get older, that change is natural and brings its own challenges, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Hopefully we are getting wiser and more mature, but probably a little less energetic, a little less physically able. And slowing down isn't all that bad a thing. But when you're committed to an energetic church with that needs energy behind it in its uh, ministry and mission, need to be very realistic about that. So I'm saying, yeah, it's time for me to move over, move aside, and just be available for however I can help. And I will probably never hang up the phone. I'll never turn it off. If somebody needs me to come and visit or... So current president or future presidents listening, that phone is active. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well done all right i'm gonna shut up that's <laughs> uh so bruce as we wrap up today can you share with us a scripture passage that has brought you encouragement throughout your ministry the grass withers the flowers fall when the breath of the lord blows upon them the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of our god will stand forever with all that God is doing, and just a little breath, and we're gone, right? Yeah. But His Word never, when you take the time to read it, you realize that Word is as much written for me personally as it is for whole nations. We have in Scripture the revealed Word of God, the creating Word of God. Can I preach it? The creating Word of God is awesome Mm -hmm. and powerful, and it never fails. So that's pretty encouraging, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Totally fantastic. Well, Bruce, thank you for being a guest with us today. Thank you for sharing. And I will double down on the wisdom. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us (laughs) during this time. I just hope that it's an encouragement that, yeah, sometimes things aren't easy. Sometimes churches are hard. Sometimes we have burdens that, you know, we're like, well, maybe I'll just do it. 
And then sometimes we're called to actually do some of those things that, that we push against. And it's not easy. And life is difficult. And not every church is going to be a a healthy, vibrant church where, where broken people. And it's hard. Ministry, ministry is hard. Thank you for this time of encouragement as you've fed us with just some of your experiences and, and some of your journey and pointed us to the cross, pointed us to, to God working through you and giving you those burdens. I hope that some of us listening might take a page from some of the people that pushed Bruce. If there's someone that you know, hey, maybe this person should be, hey, it's about time you head to seminary or whatever that particular older gentleman uh, pushed your way or, or just some of those things like have our eyes open recognize the gifts that, that God has given people and may we push them into these different roles. But even if those situations might be hard, even if they might be difficult, so let's encourage them in those situations as well. But I just, just thank you, Bruce, for your heart. Thank you for your many years of ministry and your three encores. And thank you for taking this time to, to just invest in us and invest in the listeners and Thanks for being a rad boss. I've enjoyed it. And, and we just are thankful for uh, the ways that God has gifted you and used you to bless the denomination. And hey, I mean, like you said, I, I haven't reimagined retirement myself, but I'm assuming that there's something in there about how maybe retirement isn't exactly the end. And, and I would be surprised if retirement is the end for, for Reverend Stumbo. And we look forward to seeing how you will continue to bless uh, churches and the denomination in the future. As we move forward from there, we're going to close with the benediction, which comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Bruce, thanks again for being our guest, and we are just so grateful that you were willing to share with us all of your wisdom, whether you want to receive it or not. It is to God's glory, so we thank you for that. You are welcome. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. I love you both, and uh, I'll get back to work. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us today here on Grace for the Grind. To our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We would really appreciate it if you shared this podcast with a friend, family, or loved one. Also, we would greatly appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so that the next one, when it drops, you get a notification and you can hear it here first. That's going to do it for us, and we will catch you next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grace for the Grind a CLB North American Missions podcast. For more resources like this, check out clbforge.org.